0: Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Crunch Time. I'm Mikey here, joined by Sam. And today we are back with another interview we haven't done in a while. We are welcomed by former USC wide receiver Chris Koch. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing awesome.
0: Yeah, so excited to have you. Sam, why don't you take it away?
2: Yeah, no, of course. Uh, so you grew up in uh, San Diego. Uh, what was kind of just walk us through that was like both uh, on the football field Uh, as an athlete, you played a little bit of baseball. So just walk us through what that was like for you.
1: Yeah. Growing up in San Diego is pretty cool. I mean, especially being like a young athlete, it's always it's always you're never too for starters, you're never too far away from a field of any kind. And at the same time, it's always pretty advantageous as far as weather would go. It's always pretty nice out. So you definitely get to go out, you know, take batting practice in January or like December, or go to the batting cage and do that or just run routes all around at like a local field or something like that so it's growing up in san diego or growing up in southern california is pretty cool and pretty helpful for it to be a young athlete for sure
0: yeah for sure i mean i know san diego is obviously a place that a lot of people love big vacations Bob, but to live there is like crazy and then so can you tell us what your experience was like attending high school at cathedral catholic as you were a multi-sport athlete you know playing football and baseball how did you balance that with all your schoolwork as well
1: yeah, so to to be more clear about that, I mean, um, being a, I was a multi-sport athlete at one time, which is which is funny because I didn't start playing football until after baseball. But um, I mean, going to Catholic school is an interesting kind of thing for sure. I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners have gone to or are going to Catholic school, so I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of kids can relate. Like you get taught certain classes by priests. And if you're not Catholic, like I wasn't at the, like, I'm still not Catholic, but if you're not really into the faith, it's, it's an, it's really, it's really an interesting experience. I mean, girls got to have their shirts or their skirt uh, skirts to a certain length. Like I wouldn't say it's bad, but at the same time, it's definitely a little bit of an experience to go to a Catholic school, especially when that's good at sports too.
2: Honestly, it sounds like you have some good experiences there, which is kind of awesome. And then, uh, you <laughs> attended junior college in 2017, which is kind of unorthodox, some would say. What'd you gain from going to JUCO, uh, and would you change anything if you had to go back?
1: No, I wouldn't change it. I absolutely love my time at junior college. Not because it was like a fun experience, but I look back on all the struggles and all the adversity I went through while I was at junior college, and those are the things that would inevitably cause me to become the person that I am today. Like a lot of growth happens in junior college, whether you go through the struggles like I did or not. I mean, you have no choice in junior college except to grow up because you're kind of on your own. No one's gonna hold your hand, hold your feet. You gotta I mean you hold gotta hold your own feet to the fire and be accountable for your own stuff. Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, you hear a lot of stories about like different ways people go to college. It's very interesting to hear that perspective. And then in 2018, you redshirted as a reserve tight end as a walk on sophomore at USC. So, what was this experience like? And, like, did you expect this when you were in junior college? Like, what made you make this decision? And, like, how did it kind of come into play?
1: I think what makes my story so unique about trying to get to SC and playing at SC was because no matter what happened, I knew that I was going to get there. Not because I had some backdoor deal, but because I knew in my heart of hearts that I wasn't going to let myself not get there. So, I, 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 Although, I should, here's how I should say it. My, I knew I was going to get there as far as like my future was concerned. My reality just hadn't caught up yet. So I was working and doing everything that I could school, doing well in school, going and working out at the gym, working receiver coaches, yada, 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 all the kind of stuff that dreams and achieved goals are made out of. So I would definitely say I expected it, but it wasn't by any means, anything that would ever, ever be like given easily. And that's the be. That's what makes my story so cool, too. Yeah, I and mean, that sounds amazing. And
2: USC is obviously one of the top blue blood programs in college football. But as a walk on, kind of, what is it like trying out for the team as a walk on? Like, how do the coaches kind of treat that? How do the cuts work for that? Just like explain what it was like for you in that aspect.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, being a walk on is cool. It's um, it's it's it, it's one of those things with. <laughs> I I look back so fondly on my time as a walk-on, like you, you, you're obviously shit. There's so much I could say. I just don't know where to start with this. Um, I guess I could say like how coaches look at you. I mean, you do serve a role on the team. Like a lot of, I don't know if it's still today, but a lot of times like people would bring on walk-ons as an expendable body back 15, 20, 30 years ago. Not like that today. I mean, let me put it, let me put it this way. If you at USC, if you're not, Operating and giving the first team defense the best look, and you're not trying to like, for instance, I would, I would when we played Notre Dame, I would be Chase Claypool, for instance, like I would, I would be the shadow of the, of the Z receiver position. If you're not giving a good look, they're going to take you out and put somebody else who will, who, who will, you know. So you got to operate and you got to play as well as you can at every opportunity you get, because especially a school like SC, I mean, it's like you mentioned one of the top blue blood programs of all time. It's top four i think by colin cowherd i mean you've got sc bama ohio state and like oklahoma up there they've got guys any 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 person who would walk on would love to walk on at usc it's one of those schools where like how could you not if it's, it's, you're playing in la and you're at one of the best programs ever so that's the thing and i kind of looked at that from the perspective of like when i was there a person like me trying to grind to get there if I wasn't giving a hundred percent, that person that I was in my past trying to get to SC would take my shit so quickly. So that's that's kind of how I thought about it. But as far as walking on itself goes, I mean, you gotta have an in. You gotta beg, borrow, and steal your way to get an opportunity. And those opportunities by no means promise it's USC for for crying out loud. And on top of that too, the program, like it's it's a tryout. Like you you get your shot. Like they give you a shot and say, okay, here proves you can hang here. So I mean, they try you out with a bunch of different guys. Sometimes, like I didn't know I was trying out on that day until that day. Like they said, don't leave the city, and about an hour and a half later said, so, okay, Chris, you're trying out today. So it, it it's it's <laughs> it's as crazy as it sounds. It's a, it's a huge rush, especially when you're trying out. It's like a really like nerve wracking time. But when you get it, you hit you hit that parabolic parabolic growth, and you're feeling on top of the world when you get brought onto a school like that.
2: I mean, that sounds amazing. It sounds like you definitely enjoyed your time as a walk-on. Uh, you obviously competed with some of the most talented players in the country every single day of the week. Wait, what is that?
1: So I recently partnered with this company called Gourmet uh, with New Ethics. They've got some gourmet greens, antioxidants, 1st They've also got really, really great. I think it's one of the best protein powders I've ever had. It's all natural sweetened with stevia no artificial sweeteners 24 grams of protein per scoop it's it's, it's legit so go ch- i'm going to post about it coming up but new Essex, n-u-e-t-h-i-x just so you guys don't forget the x, x is my favorite part of that too they have all sorts of really cool supplements but right now i am making some gourmet greens right now just because i love drinking stuff on these podcasts keeping my keeping the flow and all that kind of stuff and i, I love i actually i mean it's, it's greens that are red i mean how can you not like that kind of stuff too so uh yeah so i i that was this is what i'm drinking right now
2: dude that sounds awesome everybody if you're listening to this make sure to check out chris's instagram the next few days and weeks he'll post some information on that so that you guys can hopefully get some for yourself to perform at the highest level and then just a quick follow-up question you talked briefly about notre dame and how you had to pretend that you were Chase Claypool in practice. That's a historic rivalry with Notre Dame that's gone back for <laughs> years. Like, what is the preparation that goes into a game like that? And like the adrenaline when you finally like arrive to the stadium? Like, how does that rivalry game kind of work?
1: Rivalry games are absolutely mental. Like they are so much fun. I mean, I I loved every every game that we had. I loved the in and outs of the prep. I loved going through Scout Team and Okay, this is what Utah is looking like, or this is what uh, Oregon's looking like, or you know, it, those those were so much fun. And I'll tell you what, like when we played teams like Notre Dame and U uh, UCLA, and I mean UCLA beat us this year, but like it's usually not a real a real competition with UCLA. But um, no, not just me as a former Trojans or as a Trojan saying that. Uh, but at the same time like there's so much tradition and so much so much passion for it that the night before walkthrough on friday you've got the jock rally and you got all that kind of stuff and you've got the um, beat the bruins conquest rally and there's like hundreds maybe thousands of people outside and you're you're sitting on this like you're on a stage and then there's like guys and you've got t-shirt cans and you're shooting them off and it's 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 absolutely nuts and it's a game like UCLA or Notre Dame where you're playing at the Coliseum or in South Bend or something like that there. I, I I love it. It's so, I loved preparing for it and getting to the stadium was just a rush in and of itself. I mean, you got a big squad coming into town, like a number 10 Utah or something like that, or like in 15 Notre Dame, we never beat Notre Dame while I was there. And that's a huge, huge blow to me because I hated Notre Dame, I absolutely hated Notre Dame. But Yeah, um, so it's it's a rush really like no other, and I'm being completely, completely objective about that.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, it sounds obviously very memorable. I mean, you know, competing, all that, and preparing. And then we asked this to a lot of the college athletes that we interviewed because, like, it's interesting. You guys, like, live with each other, and you're on campus and all that, so, like – You know, do you have any funny stories of your time at USC or like what is your favorite moment, like most memorable moment with your time on the team, including any teammates or whatever you want?
1: Shoot, which one would I go with? There's like, I'm telling you guys, like, there are so many memories that I have. So during fall camp, every the whole team lived in one dorm. Like they, it's Coach Helton used to liken it to remember the Titans. So you're all living together. And in these dorms, it's like you have, i mean i think some international students were still there but it's like this is like a nine story building i think the football team they got like full like floors four through eight or something like that so it's 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 packed like you've got a lot of guys in there and the coaches i still i still don't believe that the coaches were staying there like with, with my i would really be, be willing to bet just about anything that although they said they're staying there like they're probably just driving home after they do bed check um so but that's not the funny part so in these rooms, like they stick all, they stick four guys in the room, but in these rooms originally intended for eight. So they'd push these two big beds together. get all these two like beds together and be in there. But so the way that these, this building was shaped was like a U and on the inside, everybody has like a window and on both sides, you hear, you've got your teammates, like it's a big building too. And there's like, obviously like a hundred guys on the SC roster. And all it takes is one person to start jawing at somebody and the entire side of the building just goes absolutely apeshit and everyone just like yelling at each other and especially on the first night of fall camp and on the last night of fall camp there was this thing called the purge so the purge is basically when after the bed checks would happen it'd be defense versus offense and this has been a long-standing tradition at USC, probably for probably back to like the 40s. I, I'll be honest with you, like, I mean, I, at least I, I like to think it would be, but it's been a long, a long-standing thing, at least as far as all the generations of kids that I played with said. So offense versus defense in this big, like, in this big dorm building, for instance. So what they would do is you, if you were caught out after a certain time. If I was caught out by defense, defense would jump me, and they. It never happened to me, but what would happen? They fill up like books, back, like uh like pillowcases full of books and start hitting kids with them, and and in and in, in the uh in the like the stairways. There's this one kid. He he ended up quitting like a month later, but he got caught out in the uh, in the stairway one time, and I just remember seeing someone's Instagram or Snapchat story, and I'm like. Who the hell is that? And then I look at this kid, and they're just kicking him and hitting him with the bucks. And then you look at the Snapchat, like, caption, it says, this D-block territory. <laughs> That's what defense called themselves. They called themselves D-block. And uh, that was on the first night of fall camp. <laughs> but about two weeks later, on the, end, the last day of fall camp, defense, offense got smart. So a lot of the guys had their, uh, their dorms, right, or their real, like, their apartments across the street. And all that kind of stuff. So, a lot of guys, they went out to like big five and bought a bunch of like BB guns and airsoft guns. So, when D, this, at, this, on the literally the last night, everyone starts yelling at each other from across the building, across the way, on like, oh, it's D blocks, like, you're, we're coming after you and everything like that. So, all these kids set up, set up at the freaking offensive sets at the front of the elevator, like right in front of the elevator. The coaches leave after bed check, and it's like eleven o'clock. And the first time the elevator opens, the entire, or at least all the guys who had BB or airsoft guns at on the offense, just sit there. And all these defensive guys are coming out of the elevator. And they just light them up, just light them up. <laughs> and they're just catching like BB like BBs all. Over. And then everyone's like, "Close it! Close it! Close it!" And it just would go at it for the rest for like the rest of the night and it was that was probably the funniest thing that I've ever heard because if they got also if they got into your room they're going to trash your room so it's 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 a real competition between offense and defense especially on those kind of things
0: I mean I don't even know to respond to that but that is one of the most interesting stories I mean obviously we're still in high school so you know, we don't know like the dorm life or any of that yet but that is very interesting and also exciting to hear like to say the least I mean I love like the rivalry between the team that also does that make practice so much more like the next day after
1: that, does that make practice so much more intense and all of that? Um, let me get let me preface it by saying offense versus defense <clears throat> in the course of fall camp or spring camp. It's already chippy. I mean, you're basically going against you're going you have one opponent for the entirety of those two, three, four weeks. So it like those things like those like little instances begin to compound. I never really had any issues with anybody, but I remember a lot of guys would get into it with a lot of guys. Like there'd be fights. It was it was it was funny. But after a night like that, I'm sure some I'm sure the defense or the offense doesn't forget who was shooting at them. <laughs> so yeah, I would I would be willing to say that for sure.
2: That that's unbelievable. Then you touched on your teammates. You you, you practiced with some really talented dudes to say the least, like Amonroth, yeah. Drake London. Like how beneficial was it for you to be surrounded by such talented guys day in and day out?
1: So SC, Coach Helton had this thing called iron sharpens iron. And it's, ob- it's a bib- biblical proverb, but the, es- like, the essence is like iron sharpens iron just like one man sharpens another. Like if you're around the best, you're just going to elevate your competition. I mean, every day I would go against the top guys, guys who were Chris Steele just committed or just declared the NFL draft. Like I would go against him, Elijah, Isaac, like every single day in, on scout team. And, you know, I mean, when I was playing tight end, I'd be blocking guys like Porter Gustin or, I mean, Cam Smith, like all these kind of guys. Like the guys who are in the NFL right now and you either it's it's it it, it turns the game like it turns it into like a competition like within yourself, too. And like I love that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like it, it, it is really one of the great great things about usc one of the things they used to say is like if you don't like competition don't go to usc so you really really elevate your game just because not only like if you're internally motivated it's no big deal but if you you really have no other choice except for to make yourself and elevate yourself to the best way possible because if you don't you're you're not going to get any sort of like love by any of the coaches or anything
0: yeah no that makes sense i mean obviously. We hear USC is such like a great program. The expectations are obviously gonna be high. Now, our last question for you today is a question that we've asked a lot of athletes that admit on the show. And like going forward, obviously you're still very young. So like what are your goals like in life? Like just everything. Like what are your future plans? You know, all that.
1: Yeah, sure. I have a lot of high aspirations for myself just because I know I can accomplish anything I put my mind to. I've got a lot of, I've got a few different opportunities I'm looking at right now. I've been involved with a pretty cool in a leadership program at a really awesome entertainment company. I think I'm, you know, there are a lot of, like I said, I've got a few different opportunities in that regard in entertainment, some in real estate development. Um, You know, I have to make some choices coming up, but at the same time, I'm really blessed for the experience that I've had and give God a lot of glory for that. You know, I mean, I, I like I said, I, everybody can struggle within their own faith or whatever. And I had a recent show where I was very open about mine, but um, yeah, like I, I do, I, I have a lot of different shit I've got to look at over the next few weeks, month or so, but um, I don't want to sound corny, but at the same time, I will be posting about whatever direction I end up going in Not because I think a lot of people care just because I think a lot of people could look at my story and find value from it. And that's the whole reason why I've been going on these podcasts. Just so that way, any any kid, anybody, anywhere, if one person gives value for my story, then that's, then that's worth it to me, because it's, it's just all about, there's just more, it's bigger than you, like, and it sounds really campy of me to say that, but at the same time, I fully, fully believe that, because it's going, like, I'm going to try and get on, because I just hit, 20, this is my 21st podcast in the last four months, so, like, I've been really working, like, hard on this, just so I could try and get a lot of people to. You know, gain value from it, but at the same time, I've got some decisions to make, got some ground balls to chase down, and I'm very, very excited because I know I will be—I won't let myself not be the most successful version of myself that I can.
2: Yeah, bro, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you talked about touching people. I—I I think me and Mikey definitely gained something from your story. I'd say you're probably the funniest person we've ever interviewed. So. <laughs> And uh, I think your unorthodox story definitely like proves that you could kind of put a- do anything that you put your mind to. Whatever you're doing, we'll be following along and hope you're staying safe.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I love coming on.
2: Yeah, bro, yeah of course. Thank you so, so much.